a few things to quickly feed back on. Uh, my name is Craig. If, you, if we haven't met yet, part of the team here, it's so good to have you here. It was great to meet some people visiting for the first time uh, earlier on. And if you are here for the first time, please do check in with our host team at the back. We'd love to help you get connected. Uh, if it's exploring faith, we've got great uh, little booklets for you to do that with. Um, if it is wanting to be part of a connect group or serve, I'd love you to do that as well. And we're loving seeing young people serve here. Uh, Arabella um, was uh, in the mix, uh, actually handling most of the cappuccino making, um, and uh, so young teenager getting stuck in. You're not too young or too old to serve, and if you want to feel part of community, that's really where it happens for us. So there's so many avenues and areas to get stuck in. I also wanted to give a quick bit of feedback. We did our first youth uh, Hope Youth. We had over 40 teens there uh, on uh, Friday night, and uh, I'm so excited about what God has in store. Uh, I know that he has much that he wants to do amongst the teenagers of our city. And so uh, for those of you who were there, it was amazing to have you in the mix. Uh, for others who weren't, uh, please do get along to it. For those of you who are interested in serving with teenagers, chat to us as well on that. Uh, we had an amazing first worship night last night as well. And for those who came out, we had a, an amazing time in God's presence. It was amazing to see moms um, and, and families coming out with babies at nighttime and people coming with their kids. We got to pray for the kids. We got to pray for parents. Uh, but I think it's the start of many more times uh, in God's presence. Um, it was amazing. I will give a shout out, even if he's hiding, uh, to Tim. Um, and I do just want to say, uh, Tim's been here for the last sort of almost 10 days. Uh, he serves uh, in a big way in churches in South Africa with both leading worship and sound teams. We've had the most amazing time. Uh, nighttime practices with our teams, uh, sound stuff that we've been learning. And so thank you for serving. Um, such a privilege. Give it up for Tim. Thank you. And uh, we'll get him back soon as well. So we're excited for that. Um, in terms of the parents uh, bringing kids to the worship evening. We got to pray for them. On the back of it, I wanted to highlight something uh, super important. I think it's coming up, which is just a save the date for our Hope Kids Christmas Camp. We did our first one last year. Uh, we absolutely loved it. Um, I think it's on my preach slides, Callum. You'll see it there. Um, if you go down to the preach one, there'll be one. There we go. We've got to save the date up. Monday, the 4th of December. We're gonna let you know about dates and times and those sorts of things. We're thoroughly excited. Uh, so for anyone in junior school, I wanted to say, parents, put this in your diaries. Um, I would say if you're planning on being away on holiday and you're thinking about it that far, we'll just adjust your dates. If you've got uh, kids in junior school and just travel on Tuesday, the 5th. Easy problem to solve. Uh, very easy. Um, but honestly, um, I'll obviously forgive you if you don't uh, come along to it. But one thing I would say for parents is that uh, in the years of teenage youth ministry that I did, there were many parents who would come to me when their kids were sort of 15, 16, 17, about to leave school and just saying, Craig, my kids don't follow God. Um, they're not really interested in faith. Um, I, I'm not sure what to do. We kind of feel like we're in a bit of a crisis. And I would sort of say to them, of course, I'd love to help. We pray God turns around everything. But I'll also say to them, the thing is, is that actually it's what we model to our kids when they're four, five, six, seven, that affects where they end up in the trajectory of their lives. And so the modeling starts, in fact, younger when they're toddlers. If we model that and as we make faith a priority, it just becomes almost inevitable that our kids catch the passion we have for God. And so it's these sorts of things that I wanna highlight. And of course, my beautiful wife, Sarah, is heading it up. So that's another reason to come. Um, I'll come just because I'm sure there'll be good food, but up with other things too. 
Great. So um, next week, we're starting a new series. Uh, I'll promo it in the week. If you're on our broadcast, get on it. I can't wait for the series. It's going to be challenging. It really will, but it's going to be exciting. Uh, today, I felt led to preach on parched lips, from parched lips to living water. That's what I felt the Lord lead me to speak on. And uh, water covers about 70% of the earth's surface and makes up approximately 60% of the human body, although it can be 45 to 75%, interesting enough. It's essential to human survival. And not only that, I just find there's something special about water. Uh, it might be a mountain stream for those of you who like Inyanga. It could be a wide river for those of you who like um, catching fish out of rivers, uh, out of um, the Zambezi. It might be the vast ocean, but there's just something special about water. And each day we're alive, we drink something. Some people might not for uh, various emergency reasons, but on the whole, we drink something. It might be water, which obviously uh, is a good one. It might be coffee for me. It's an empty cup, but I actually should have got Arabella to make me a full one so I could sip on this while I preached. But anyway, uh, it could be that, fruit juice, Coke, wine, beers, the like. But nothing that we drink can substitute the role that water plays in our bodies. Sure, we may get enjoyment, or at least short-term enjoyment, from those other sorts of things, an ice-cold Coke, a brilliant cup of coffee, a glass of wine, those sorts of things. We get enjoyment from it, but slowly and surely, our bodies become dehydrated if those are the only things that we drink. If we exclude water and drink those things, our bodies become dehydrated at best, and at worst, they lead us to become out of control and incapacitated. There's nothing that can provide the refreshment and the sustenance of water. And not surprisingly, and this would make sense, that if God created us and he created water to play such a primary role in our bodies and in the world, it's not surprising that he would speak about water and the links between that and our spirituality in scripture. So scripture is full of references to water, about water describing who God is or how he acts as a rushing water, the vast ocean to dive into. It speaks of how we can relate to him, coming to him when we're thirsty, uh, him being the, the waters of life which we'll look at and our everyday lives. And so uh, we, we're gonna dive into that. And uh, this concept of requiring water for survival and refreshing is used in scripture as a metaphor for our need of Christ, for everybody who God's created. This metaphor that we've just looked at, that water is more essential to anything else, is the same thing that we see in scripture about Christ being more essential to anything else in our lives. And so we're gonna explore it today because I believe that there's many of us here at Hope in our suburbs and in our city who are spiritually thirsty. Maybe physically it gets old, but spiritually are searching for something to refresh. And it's my prayer that we see soul refreshing take place today and in our cities. You see, we often feel spiritually parched. I watched a movie recently called The Jesus Revolution. Has anybody watched it? Anyone? It's good that no, nobody has, because I'm thinking of doing a big screen of it. I think it's one of the best movies that I've watched in a long time. It looks at the rise of the Jesus movement in California in the late 1960s. So there was also the, 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 the movement um, of uh, the crazy drug movement and all about the love and, and, and teenagers and 20s would head into the desert for these wild parties. And in the mix of that, this Jesus movement started by some pretty wild people themselves. And uh, so they, they lived this life. And there was the religious of the day who were leading churches that were shrinking and shrinking in California at the time. And they sat and they looked on at these wild teenagers and 20s and they just said, like, these guys are wacky. 
I mean, we've, we, we've, got to, we, we've got to get away from these, um, these sort of guys. And there was a wild guy who knew God uh, called Lonnie Frisbee. And uh, he said to this pastor, this pastor in this church team was saying, we don't want those wacky people in our churches. You know, they don't wear shoes and they smell. And I mean, he, he was getting a little bit bleak about this. And this guy, Lonnie, said, the thing that you don't get is that these teenagers and 20s, they're searching for all of the right things just in the wrong places. But their heart is right for what they're searching for. He was saying that they are longing and searching for love and for purpose and for peace and contentment. That's what we should all be searching for. That's what God invites us to search for. It's what we're hardwired for. But often we search for those things in all of the wrong places. And so if you've been searching in the wrong places for purpose and you're here today, you're in the right place because this is where you find purpose. This is where you encounter the one who gives purpose. He's the source of living water, of soul quenching, of spiritual refreshing. And this is what he says, John 7, verse 37. To, and actually just put that, it doesn't exactly look like a desert over there that I, that I showed. It looks a little bit whiter than it should. It should be like a color of sand. But uh, I thought that picture of parched and coming to the oasis in the desert was a good one. Thanks, Carl, for going back to that. So John 7, verse 37 to 38. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn there. Uh, if not, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, if you don't have a paper Bible, we have lots at the back and more coming. If you're looking for a Bible for a teenager, we have unbelievable new ESV Bibles that are in. This is what it says, verse 37 to 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If I can be vulnerable for a moment, and I was talking to Sarah about this this morning, um, I've loved what God's doing at Hope Church. I really have. I absolutely love seeing life change. We've seen people coming to faith, set free from addictions. There's been so much to look forward to. But if I'm honest, probably in my soul or in my heart, at times in these moments in this year of growth, I felt a little bit parched through no fault of uh, anybody else except my own. I felt at times this dryness that kind of creeps into your heart when you haven't made Jesus the priority that he could be in your life. And I know the answer. I'm standing up here leading and I know the answer is, well, just draw closer to Jesus, Craig. I mean, just prioritize time with him. Just spend more time in his presence. Wait for him to speak. And yes, I do that, but I haven't, I don't think, done that as much as I'd like to have done that in this past year. There's definitely been times of running where you sort of run on personal energy uh, rather than complete reliance on Jesus. And I felt this clear as I've been preparing this, um, uh, and even this morning as, as I chatted with say, I felt this clear sort of challenge from God to say, but actually, I want to go deeper with you. And I'm so grateful to Sarah. She's it's the most unbelievable example because up Sometimes it's 4.30. I mean, I just can hardly open my eyes at that time. Um, but anyway, like, um, it's just a, it's a habit and it's a part of her faith journey where without fail, that's just what Sarah does. She's up early. She's got the coffee. She's spending time with God. She's diving into his word. And sometimes I'll like come through like an hour later. I'll be like, oh, I love that, you know, better get down to reading my Bible. And Sarah would have sort of done it for an hour already and spent this great time with God. And so it's been such a challenge. It really has. And so, so I've been getting challenged on this myself as I dive uh, into uh, this um, as, as we go. And so I'm not sure of the state that your soul is in right now. Maybe you're feeling a little bit parched yourself. Maybe you've been looking in the wrong places to refresh your soul. And nothing you and I try on our own will ever help in that process. None of it will. 
And so we're going to look at what keeps us from refreshing ourselves in Christ over the next few weeks. But one passage that perfectly sums up how crazy it is when we try and get refreshed in areas other than God, um, what actually happens. Look at what it says, Jeremiah 2 verse 13. It says, for my people have committed two evils. This is what God says. They have forsaken me, one, the fountain of living waters, which Jesus just spoke about. And then secondly, they've hewed out or cut out cisterns for themselves, broken systems that can hold no water. Now, cisterns were these artificial reservoirs, usually in desert areas. And they would sort of be dug out so that rainwater could flow into these cisterns during the rainy season and store it uh, during the dry season. And broken cisterns would collapse in and allow all the sand from the desert to flow in and sort of um, choke out the water that was there for storage. So God's saying two things. He's saying, firstly, I'm the source of life. Come to me when you feel parched. Come to me when you feel dry, and I will sort that out for you. That's the first thing he's saying. And secondly, he says that when we pursue anything other than himself, to satisfy ourselves, it's like creating other places to find refreshment, but they're broken. They're like cisterns. It's like us having a source like an oasis of amazing water available to us. We go, ah, God, actually, I'm gonna go next door to a cistern that's collapsed in and full of sand and there's hardly any water, and I'm gonna kind of eat up the sand and try get some droplets of water from it to satisfy me when actually right next to it is this beautiful source of fresh water and he just says that makes no sense but we do it we live this out you see we reject the wonderful invitation of living water and then we go in search of things that will never satisfy it's illogical but we're often very good at doing it it could be comfort and we believe that somehow if we pursue comfort and try to make a safe and comfortable life that will satisfy us it might be as i shared when i prayed it might be success it might be relationships it could be our children it's very easy for us to have our children as our source and, and live through our children. And suddenly they leave home and we go, but what have we got to live for? It's when our kids have been a source rather than ourselves. It could be money. It could be busyness. In our culture, we wear busyness like a badge. It's going, how was your week? Oh, so busy. It's just been so busy. Like as if that's something that we should be proud about, but we wear it in our culture globally. Being busy is something we wear as a badge. It's never gonna satisfy us. When we pursue those things instead of living water, it's like trying to find water in a system that's broken and filled with sand. And we can get more and more desperate the more that we search in the wrong places. It's the law of diminishing returns. It's like trying to get a refreshed soul by drinking Coke after Coke after Coke after Coke. And sure, the first cold one might feel like it refreshes us, but the more and more we drink it, the less and less it satisfies our searching. And there's a real enemy who loves to distract us from living water. He wants us drinking out of broken cisterns. And so he gives us many other options instead of time with Jesus. And I'm guilty of some of these things. So, you know, maybe you've got this, well, let me get down to spending some time with Jesus. I really want this week to spend some time with him. And as you sit down, you're like, ah, I just quickly need to check my social media feed. Just quickly pop on it. Let me just see if I've missed out on something that's happened in the world. Just quickly scroll through it, look through that. And then as you put that down to pick it up, you're like, oh, but I heard something was happening on the news like two weeks ago. Let me just quickly check what, what's happening on BBC. So we like scroll through that. Takes another five minutes or so. I just need to quickly see. There might be some business emails that I need to respond to. Respond to some business emails. It's so important that I check the weather. 
I need to check the weather to know what's going to happen today before I spend time with Jesus. So quickly get out the, the weather. Um, I used to use yr.no, but then Don told me there was a better one called, yes, Meteor Blue. That's the one. So I also use that. So if you want a proper weather, ask Don. Meteor Blue is the one. Um, but, but, and then you sit and go, okay, no, no, I, I need to get back to time spending time with God. I just... We're going on holiday in six months' time, and I need to plan where we're going to go. So let me just quickly scroll through, and I need to check booking.com. And before you know it, half an hour to 45 minutes has been spent on things pointless, not pointless, but so less valuable than time with Jesus. One example of how we can let things get in the way. Um, it could be that there's a great opportunity for spiritual growth. It might be the men's night, and we love that, or the ladies' night. It could be worship evening like last night. And you're sitting going, this would be a great thing to go to. But there's sport on TV. How am I, I just, I just can't choose. I could build my relationship with Jesus or I can watch sport that I could actually record and watch later as well. But then I wouldn't watch it live and I would miss out on seeing that. You know, or a soccer thing. So I'm not saying it's wrong to watch sport. I'm just saying we have these moments where we can run to the living water and we choose to go to broken systems. They're okay. It's not that they're bad, but we make choices on life where we could choose things that really grow us closer to Jesus. They don't. I mean, I love listening to music. I love listening to podcasts. But it could be the case where we consume every time we drive and every waking moment with headphones in our ears, listening to the latest business podcast, listening to the latest song. And it could even be a worship song. It could be. At the expense of actually being still before God, actually taking a moment to drive and go, I'm actually not going to do anything for my drive to work I'm just going to say, God, would you speak to me? God, would you talk to me? And I'm listening. I mean, those are just examples, but you get the point. We actually do have time to come to the living water, but it comes down to priorities. It comes down to priorities. But can I tell you that I've never regretted coming to the living waters? There's never been a moment in my life where I've said yes to the things of Jesus and no to broken systems, and I've turned around and gone, oh, that was a waste. Never. And so I beat myself up when I go, but why do I so often choose those sorts of things when I could choose time with Jesus instead? Never once have I regretted it. And so um, just as much as I've been feeling challenged as I prepped this um, about really making daily, daily this time, and some of you I'm sure would be amazing at this, coming to the source, I wanna challenge us in this. And it's the most lavish invitation that God gives. Maybe you're here and you're not even a believer. You're exploring faith. Look at this lavish invitation God gives in Isaiah 55. So what he says, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk with water, uh, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me. Eat what is good. You'll delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. You know, in that first verse alone, God says, come four times. Do you see it? Come, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Obviously, without cost. God is serious about an invitation for us to be in his presence. He's serious about it. He wants us to come. It doesn't say, come if you've done well yesterday. He doesn't say, come if you've been living the right way last week. He just says, come. It's an open invitation to join him. Regardless of your history, your situation, whether you think you should be in church right now or not, none of us are perfect. We're all on a journey of faith. Church is a hospital for the broken. 
So often we go, church is the place where good people, you go to church if you're good. No, no, not at all. We come to church because we need to connect with the God who is good. But none of us are good. We come here because he's the one who helps us. From young to old, wealthy to poor, he says, come. And what's more, he says, you can come to buy and purchase for no cost. And he says, from the basic necessities like water to luxury needs like wine and the richest of fare. See, we live in a world of monetary exchange for goods and services. So this concept we struggle with. And we struggle with it when it comes to God. We struggle to receive without paying because that humbles us. It squashes our pride. We like to be able to pay for things. We like to be able to buy new cars. We like to be able to go out um, to nice restaurants. We like to be able to buy our kids presents because it gives us a sense of, well, I've done something. I can contribute to the world. But God says, actually, your money means nothing to me. What you're good at means nothing when I invite you to come. It's all me. It's not anything that you have done. It removes our self-sufficiency. But Jesus, surely you need something from me. Surely I need to be good. Surely I need to put some money in the tithe box. Surely I need to be living the right way. But God says, you in this exchange, you can offer me nothing. But from me, you need everything. So what's the requirement then to quench our thirst, the spiritual longing? And maybe some of you are here and you've just got this nagging. Maybe you go to sleep at night and you're just like, there's more. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something else. There's more that I need. That's the nagging of purpose that God brings. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you in. But maybe also here, you've known God for many years. Maybe you're going, I'm just feeling a little bit parched. I'm just feeling a little bit dry. Feels like a bit of a desert time. Maybe you're like me, where you're just kind of going, there's been moments where I haven't pursued God as much as I could, but, but I want more. I'm eager for more. It's not something we offer it's a hard action to take. It's a perspective shift. We come, we turn our hearts to Jesus. Like we sung earlier, we recognize that he is worth it all. And we come open-handed with our mess, with our mistakes. And we just say, God, this is me. You've invited me to come. I'm thirsty. Would you be the one who refreshes my soul? And we do that daily. We do that regularly. There's a passage in Ephesians which says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that tense is be continually filled. It's saying, God, I need you each day. Fill me to overflowing each day. We need to drink the water regularly and deeply, the living water from Christ. I also find that with water, and uh, maybe Tim and the team can come up uh, as I share that. I just wanted to close off with a song as a Tim and the music team can come. But as they're coming up, you know, they actually say that we should drink water before we feel that we really need it. So doctors actually say that when it comes to drinking water, actually, it should be a consistent part of your life. So you don't suddenly drink loads of it when you feel really parched. It's actually something that's a habit that you build into your life to just have the right type of water. I think in our spiritual lives, that's the same. I think God's challenging us to say, drink from the water of life regularly before you start to feel parched. So drink of it, build up a habit of connecting with God. And so the challenge today is will you come? That's the challenge. Uh, I won't share the whole story, but there was a lady uh, who was searching for refreshing in all the wrong places. She had multiple husbands. She wasn't following Jesus. She meets Jesus at a well. And he takes, again, water that you need physically to teach her a story about him. 
And uh, he asked for drink, and she says, well, she shouldn't really give it to him. Verse 10, uh, this is uh, from John 7. He answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked, and I would give you, Jesus will give you living water. And the woman says, sir, you've got nothing to draw water with. The well's deep. Where do you get that living water? Where do I get it from? Uh, She's thinking in a physical sense. Um, And uh, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty. He's talking about a soul thirst. He's talking about the hunger that we have within our hearts. The water that I give him will become a spring of water that wells up to eternal life. So when we come to Jesus, he refreshes and he changes us. And then that wells up and it impacts our relationships, our families, it leads to eternal life. So can I get us to stand together briefly?